Kennedy. Welcome to Jarden's startup tech series where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and tech companies on trends happening across the industry. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Pascal Helia Moray, CEO and founder of the exciting startup Super Rewards. So, Pascal, for those not familiar with the company Super Rewards, perhaps you can explain a bit more about the company. Sure. Uh, and thanks for having me today, Elise. Um, so Super Awards is a shopping platform where you shop at any of our 400 retailers and those retailers uh, pay cash back into your existing Super Fund or SMSF. So, for example, as a, as a user, I come along I uh, to Super Awards, I choose from, let's say, Country Road. Um, if I spend $100 at Country Road, Country Road pays $4 into my existing super fund. So just to be really clear, we are not a fund, but mm -hmm. we help you access free money from the retailers into your super. Fantastic. And, and what is the origins of where this started? It's a great question. My background is 25 odd years in financial services, marketing and PR. So mm -hmm. I've worked at blue chip companies, uh, both here and in London. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty familiar with financial services and, of course, um, superannuation. I've had uh, my own uh, startup previously, and I've also been advised on a, a few other startups as well. One of those other startups is the Australian Gender Equality Council, where I'm mm -hmm. director of communications. Um, now, the council is a, a not-for-profit dedicated to looking at and assessing and influencing the state of gender equality, or, or should I say inequality, in Australia. I was, in my work with the council, I was privy to a lot of data and information and, and research that showed and unpacked for me, really, why it is that the superannuation gap does not change. Now, for those not familiar with the concept of the super gap, the super gap is the, the difference in retirement savings between men and women in Australia. And as a pre-COVID number, that number was 58%. So women reti were retiring with 58% as much superannuation as men. Post-COVID, well, we don't quite know what that number is going to be. We, we haven't had enough time you know, since COVID to be able to track that accurately. However, what was interesting to me when um, I was looking at this more, more closely with my work with accounts was the fact that the, the super gap did not change over time, right? So it, it has been at around that 58% uh, mark for literally decades. And there are a number of, you know, drivers of the super gap. Um, there's uh, obviously the gender pay gap is, is one. There's the types of work that uh, women do is number two. And of course, there's, um, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, our social structures don't really, you know, accommodate women in the, in the workplace. But what it fundamentally boils down to is this. If we think about the cohort of women in Australia uh, in that accumulation phase of their lives, so 7 million women aged between 18 and 64, there's 40% of that number of the 7 million who are not in the workforce. And there's 36% who work casually or, or part-time. So then the question becomes, with the government and industry message of uh, women should top up their super, if you're in that 76% of, of, of the cohort who don't work or work casually, with what? Okay, so that, that's the $369 billion question right there. So that's, that's the value of the, uh, the super gap differential, right? So 
I, I once I understood that this gender, you know, the gender super gap is the way it is, and this is why, and it doesn't change. I thought this is crazy. Like, you know, the we are seeing record levels of uh, homeless women, of, and and it's the it's a fifty five year old woman who is the fastest growing segment of of homeless people in Australia. More broadly, one in six women in Australia retires into poverty, and for a nation as rich as ours, I think there's nothing short of disgraceful. So I thought there has to be a better way, right? You know, government moves glacially in addressing such matters. Corporates move glacially. What can we do right now to create an income stream into superannuation? So we know that women um, have, they make 80% of household purchasing decisions. Yeah. And we also know that they do, um, you know, a, a huge amount of unpaid work. You know, if we put a dollar value on all the looking after, you know, the elderly and childcare and, and, and so on, we'd add $2.2 trillion to the economy every year. So from there, it was really about joining those two um, facts together mm-hmm. so that we could create effectively a reward system into superannuation for all that unpaid work, you know, yeah. buying groceries, booking a holiday, buying a new appliance for the household. Mm-hmm. So that was the genesis of Super Awards, that unpaid work is monetized and rewarded by going directly into your existing super fund. Yeah, and it's fantastic. You can see, you know, the philanthropic side and the, and the real need for that product uh, in, in the Australian economy, let alone globally. I'm curious, though, when we look at the economics, how do we think about the pricing model? Because obviously it's nice to have, but everyone always thinks, how do you keep the sustainability of this? Uh, so Super Awards is free to join. Mm-hmm. So there's there's no there's no upfront cost to the customer. The, the way that it works is that the retailers pay us a commission for mm-hmm. effectively sending sales and, and traffic their way. Mm-hmm. And we share that commission with our users. Mm-hmm. So Super Awards is a, it's a volume play, right? Um, yeah. And so we need, uh, we need, you know, significant numbers of users uh, in the first instance, and then we need them to shop <laughs> and then we need them to keep shopping. I can definitely help with the, the last part on the shopping side. <laughs> I'm sure you can. <laughs> Any excuses I say will do. I'm curious uh, on the reception that you've got from these retailers. How many guys have you got on the platform today? How are you seeing the type of growth? And do they just see it as a sales and a marketing cost in their budget? Uh Okay, I'll take those points one at a time. So the reception has been incredible. So when we launched, which was, uh, you know, end of 2019, mm-hmm. um, we had 100 retailers on the platform. Wow. We, now, we now have 400 retailers on the platform. And it's not, it's not just, you know, XYZ retailer. This is the, the roll call of the who's who in, in retail within Australia. So, for example, we've, we have eBay. Apple, Appliances Online, I mentioned Country Road, The Iconic, you know, Pet Barn, Expedia. We, we even have a mortgage provider on there because the vision is that uh, no matter what you do, and, and I think a lot of people think that shopping is just simply defined as fashion and beauty, right? But it's more about all your online activity can be yeah. rewarded uh, in this way. So the retailers and, and that growth that we've seen in, in retailer adoption is testament to product market fit. You know, they see 
that we are the only uh, authorized uh, provider of these services in market. So that's a really good uh, place to be. They also understand that we are able to drive, we're an additional route to market for them. So yeah. we're, we're a form of, of sales. So they're very happy to uh, support us. And what we, just to give you a little bit more insight, so, you know, the way it works is we'll say to a particular retailer, oh, your, your current, your gross commission with us is, let's say, I don't know, 8%, for example. You know, what, what can, how can we lift that? Because if, if we can negotiate better commissions on our side, then that means more cashback for the user and obviously more revenue for us. So there's always a, an exchange and they say, okay, well, we'll lift, um, we'll raise our commissions to 12% for a you know, period of May or whatever. In return, you know, what exposure are you going to give us? And so then, then it becomes like an advertising, uh, you know, trade-off, if you like. So we then talk about EDMs and social and, uh, you know, banner advertising, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And perhaps we can talk about the industry as a whole. What do you see as your target market? You mentioned it's more than just retail sales and those yes. fashion retailers. Yes. How do you see the size of the market? The, the loyalty market? Because we 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 maybe I'll, I'll just take a step back. We, we we are in a very interesting space. We play in a, a number of different industries. Mm-hmm. So obviously, we're playing in the superannuation industry. Mm-hmm. So, from a a regular a regulatory and compliance perspective, we are held to those same standards and accounts. Yep. But from a user perspective, the user perceives that we play in the e-commerce industry, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to be cutting edge e-commerce in in their eyes. And, you know, it's, that, can, that presents its challenges, right? Because if you think about when, Elisa, you, you know, do another purchase at the Iconic, yeah. <laughs> you, you, yeah, it, it all happens instantly, right? And yeah. the, the money's deducted instantly and then the clothes arrive next day, et cetera, et cetera. There are different timescales uh, involved with our world because it is the world of affiliate marketing. So we can't pay users until we ourselves are paid by the retailers. Yeah. Um, and that can take up to three months, right? So, and, and sometimes, you know, customers have a, or our users have a little bit of a, a challenge with that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm, I'll just look back, you know, I mentioned the word affiliate marketing and you asked me um, in, in your previous question, you know, how, how do they see it? Yeah. This is um, the commission, it's the cost of marketing, right? So yeah. it's, that's just built into their prices. So it's, yeah. no, it's, not, it's not extra that's coming out of their pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, the affiliate industry has been around for a, a solid 15, 20 years. Um, it's, it's a growing, um, you know, sector of digital marketing. So increasingly we're seeing more and more companies decide to, you know, divert, uh, for example, budget away from investing in AdWords and redirect it to affiliate marketing instead because it produces a better ROI. Yeah. So more of that sales and marketing budget being a loyalty through a market channel while also having a good cause behind it. Yes, yes, exactly. So we, we, we play in, yeah, in loyalty, uh, superannuation, e-commerce, and uh, in terms of capturing market share, there well, there's no one else that is at the intersection of all three. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, I, I can't really speak to, to mar- you know, a particular market size. Yeah. Fantastic. And and let's talk about that competitive landscape. You mentioned you're the only authorised player at the moment. Who do you think about as your main competitors in the space? 
Yeah, so we see our main competitors really as the cash reward, like normal cash back. (laughs) So cash rewards into bank. And from a user perspective, you know, the user does have to make some sort of decision. Um, You know, do I choose to redirect this purchase or the the cash back from this purchase into super or into, you know, into my bank account? Um, So there there is an inherent tension there. However, we obviously we talk about the fact that you know five dollars now is not just five dollars. It'll be worth so much more in the in the long run, right? And the fact, um, and I think this is what a, a lot of people don't fully uh, appreciate about super awards until they're using it and using it regularly, is that it takes away that decision making. So yeah. if if for example, if I find you know fifty dollars in my wallet which is like, you know, what I would, let, let's say I, that was, that's the benefit to me of using cash awards. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can give you five different ways I'm going to spend it. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. Uh, coffee, lunch with a girlfriend, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I will never, ever, ever think about contributing it to my super. Yeah. yeah. And that's actually what super awards does. It, it's a form of forced saving. And yeah. you just do what you do and you were going to do it anyway. You were going to buy make, buy from the Iconic or you're going to buy that new toaster or whatever it may be. It's just if you do it through Super Awards, then you don't have to worry about decision-making. You don't have to worry about the mechanics of how do I make a, an additional contribution into my Super because we just take care of it for you. Yeah. And is there an element in that around the education piece too in driving the customer cohort to your, your platform essentially? Yeah. About a dollar today versus a dollar in the future. Yes, um, ab- absolutely. And so that's part of the reason why our most effective distribution strategy has mm-hmm. been to partner up with the super funds. I see. Yeah. So you know, at least you could sign up today to Super Awards, and you know, no problem. And you'll you'll always be able to do that. However, what we've discovered is that while you know you and I may may need Super Awards as, <laughs> as women. Um, it's actually the super funds who care about super awards more. And what I mean by that is that because the, of the, you know, the regular contribution to a super fund of, you know, $10 reward and a $20 reward, et cetera, super awards is both a source of growth and retention for them. Okay? Yeah. So what I mean by that is, so A, we're helping build the members super balance, which B, helps the fund, you know, garner more assets under management we're creating member engagement which is obviously you know the number one thing on (laughs) on the government agenda but under protecting the protecting your super legislation there were two key pieces out of that so the first uh, said if you haven't contributed to your super fund in 16 months your life insurance will be cancelled bad for member bad for fund bad for life insurer the second key piece of legislation was along those same lines. If you hadn't contributed to your fund and your balance uh, was less than $6,000, then that, that member's super was taken away from the fund and given to the ATO for safeguard. So it's not being eroded by fees. So we're actually performing a dual role for these funds in helping them generate more uh, assets under management, um, and also helping them retain business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like 
thinking about the economics, that seems like quite a, a good go-to-market, cost-efficient channel. Yes. Um, so if we look at the uh, economies of, of the business and the scalability, uh, would, would sales and marketing still be the biggest cost as opposed to, say, R&D? Well, uh, in our partnerships with the funds, uh, they pay us. Okay. So, so that's not- yeah. so um and so we you know we say to them right um if you know here here are all the reasons why you need super awards um and here is you know here's our upfront you know technology fee for integration uh because um we can direct integrate directly into their platform so then the proposition for their users becomes earn super by Mm -hmm. coming to your super fund Mm -hmm. and shopping so there's a it's, it's driving engagement, it's driving all those things that we spoke about, but it does come at a cost. So we um, we are able to charge upfront uh, integration cost, uh, but also an ongoing monthly licensing fee. Yeah, fantastic. And how do we think about your customer stickiness? You know, are there a lot of those customers continually active and however you classify an active customer, yeah. that's six months, three months, 12 months, how do you think about the usage of that customer? Absolutely. So firstly, our, our definitions of active um, yeah. are very different to superannuation <laughs> definitions of active. Every industry and every tech stock is different. Yes. Well, uh, it's, it's fascinating because super is such, you know, obviously long, you know, time horizons, right? Um, if they haven't heard from a member in five years, that's completely fine. But <laughs> we say, okay, well, if, if somebody hasn't shopped in the last six months, okay, yeah. you know, given all the events in the retail calendar, you know, um, mm-hmm. back to school, the Mother's Day, click frenzy, cyber weekend, etc. If yeah. we haven't seen you shop in that period of time, then, you know, you're no longer active. Um, so that's the first point to make. And then what we see is we categorize our shoppers, uh, mm-hmm. customers, in, in three different ways. So there, there's the, um, you know, the regular shoppers um, mm-hmm. and maybe they're purchasing you know, a few times a month. And then there's the frequent shoppers and maybe they're purchasing, you know, six or eight times a month. And then there's the habitual shoppers. Mm-hmm. Um, now, these are the people who are just shopping till they drop. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, because and and that the the way that a, a user tracks through those different stages mm-hmm. entirely dependent on the length of time uh, on the platform. So what I mean by that is that um, someone who has been with us, let's say for three months, and they've sort of tested us out, and does it work? And gosh, what is this concept of free money into my super? I don't understand. You know, la la la. Once they see their first payment come into their fund. That's the inflection point to yeah. move from a you know a regular shopper to a frequent shopper. The next inflection point is when they see the numbers on their dashboard, you know, showing rewards earned and and money paid into their super fund get bigger and bigger, and then it becomes a form of you know, reinforcement, and that's when they become you know a habitual shopper. So usually, so habitual shoppers are shopping like three or four times a week. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they've just decided, right, all my shopping is going to be through Super Awards retailers, right? Um, and generally, uh, someone becomes a an habitual shopper by after about six months on the platform. Yeah. And do you have any differences that you're seeing in the demographics? I know it's aimed even at females, but are you also seeing males come to the platform? Oh, absolutely. Even- 
more millennial or is it an older cohort? No, um, so in terms of our base, uh, 84% uh, are women, um, mm. the rest are men. In terms, we've got fairly even national coverage. Uh, we're slightly overweight New South Wales, which is our home state. So two thirds of our base are aged between 36 and 55. Mm-hmm. And the in terms, but what we have seen is that we have a, a really high proportion of um, Apple users. So people using, um, you know, purchasing on Safari and, yeah. and using Apple devices, which is interesting and mm-hmm. may have a corollary with the fact that uh, the average spend per week is at about two and a half times the national average. Yeah. Interesting. And how easy do you think it is for others to replicate what you're doing? Oh, I never say never. Um, But what we do is obviously not without its challenges. Probably the biggest challenge or barrier to entry is actually getting that AFSL yeah. provision, right? So we, we operate as a, currently we operate as a, a corporate authorised rep under an AFSL. And the reason for that is because we, well, two reasons. <clears throat> We're taking monies effectively on trust from, you know, Country Road. And Country Road is basically saying, well, Superwoods, you have to make sure, <laughs> you know, it reaches its intended, um, you know, destination. Um, so there's obviously there's uh, that bit which comes with, um, a huge amount of reconciliation and compliance, et cetera, in the background. Right? So yeah. we report we report to ASIC. Um, the other reason um, that we need an AFSL is that even though you and I might think that telling people to put money into their super is just common sense, mm-hmm. that is actually deemed as general superannuation advice. Yeah. So <clears throat> following the Royal Commission, AFSL uh, provision is very can be very challenging. Then the another real blocker to entry is just the ability to pay into there, there is no centralized database of all the super funds yeah. payment me- mechanics. So we've had to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not easy. Um, and then there's you know working with the funds themselves and creating those partnerships. It's a it's a long sales cycle, as you can imagine. But you know, there's a when you're integrated, then it's it's hard to be dislodged by a competitor. It sounds like there's a few barriers to entry in the first mover advantage. Absolutely, probably got you in a in a good position there. That's yeah, that's right. I'm curious, thinking about your strategies for growth. Is it now just a number of more retailers, more customers keep on pushing the same messaging and let the business grow its own accord? So. Yes, to all the above. More retailers, more users, more as you know, and that comes with more fund, super fund partnerships. But we have to innovate. Mm-hmm. We have to continue innovating, and obviously, there's various ideas on on the pipeline. But we international expansion is on the radar. It's very much on the radar, and we've already done a lot of groundwork and prep for to be able to make that happen. So it's really, you know, I think we, we can't forget that Australia is one of the most regulated financial <laughs> in the world. And we like to think that if we've been able to do it here, 
everywhere, anywhere else is going to be relatively, <laughs> relatively more straightforward. Yeah, make it, you can make it anywhere. And my last quick question, just around thinking your strategies sure. for growth, M&A, does that form any part of your agenda? Always looking at uh, opportunities. Yeah. Mm. It's, I am a firm believer that you shouldn't reinvent the wheel. Mm. So if, if um, someone else has done something, you know, uh, that fits with our mission and uh, is a nice I don't know, uh, adjunct to our, our product uh, offering uh, or is a nice, um, you know, uh, there's a potential for cooperation between our databases or, or, or so on, we will always consider that. Yeah. Because the, the one thing that is, I, I think, I personally believe is, you know, will kill a startup is moving too slowly. Yeah, yeah, and you see that if you're thinking, hey, I've got no value, nobody's coming into my industry, that's often we get called out. Exactly, exactly, that's right. Fantastic. Well, I am very appreciative of your time. That's a small little snippet of what Super Rewards is and Pascal Monet, founder and CEO. I really appreciate your time. And for anybody who's joined and is keen to hear more, please do reach out because I'm sure there's a lot more of the journey to uh, be found. Thanks so much for having me today. Thank you.